Hey Tom, how are you going? Hey Jai, I'm good thanks, so nice to see you. You too. Um, look, it's great, it's great uh, having a chat with you now, but we've also got you uh, preaching for us uh, very shortly um, yeah. in Daniel 8, is that right? Daniel 8, yeah. Oh, good, I'm glad we've got that right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, how's, how's things going in the UK? Yeah, all right actually. Um, yeah, we're in still in lockdown. We're allowed to see one person at a time at the moment outside, two meters apart. Um, but the sun is shining, and um, you might know it normally rains in Britain. But honestly, since lockdown started nine or ten weeks ago, the sky has been blue pretty much every day. Um, oh, it's wow. a blessing. So it's like God has put on the uh, the best weather to get you guys outside. Oh, seriously, I've thought that. I've thought that so many times. That's fantastic. And so. How, like you, you said, you're allowed to go outside. Is it for a long periods of time, or is there a? Um, yeah, I mean, so we, I think we're supposed to have only been out for an hour at a time at any point during this lockdown up until recently. Um, I guess a lot of us have been out for more than an hour if we're by ourselves. But yeah, now, now we can go out with friends for as long as we like, but just one at a time. Cool. And so you've so I was outside. Um, and so you've been doing that uh, a little bit more recently, which is cool. Yeah, lots of walks, lots of cycle rides. Very cool. Um, now, look, let's be honest, we were just chatting just before. Um, so this is a little yeah. bit... <laughs> uh, you, you actually said that the bike shops are starting to open and there's queues. There's massive queues, yeah, because everybody's discovering their bikes that they've had in the garage for years and not used. So <laughs> and I need some help. <laughs> Are you one of these people, or are you? you no, no, I've been using my, my my bike. Does need a bit of a bit of love and attention at the moment, but I've been using it for a long time. Get my time. Um, and we're just uh, we're just saying that it's been like June is it's been a year since it's been you were a year. Was it Soul Revival? Yeah, yeah. I know. Which is uh, amazing. Uh, God incidents that uh, that you happen to be preaching uh, this weekend as we yeah you know, it's kind of kind of cool isn't it yeah, um, it's, honestly it's a great honor well, my heart literally leapt when i was asked to do it the thought like in a weird sort of way that i could be back with you all right and we're so we're super stoked to have you uh sharing the word with us um and and having a chat with you now too that um what uh when when you were here it was part of your study to do um, to do some time in another church, uh, you just happen to choose a church halfway around the world, um, yeah. <laughs> which we were super thankful for. It was awesome hanging out with you. Um, uh, so, where are you at to, up to with study? Uh, what's and what's happening? Yeah, so I've, ju I've just finished um, studying. My college course is over. I'm starting full time working for church at the beginning of July. I've got one essay outstanding, which. Um, should have been done ages ago, but it turns out during lockdown when you've got nothing to do, that you do even less. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm at the end of the course. And um, I would have been ordained um, at the beginning of July. That's been, the actual ordination's been kicked into the future. Who knows when, <laughs> when it's safe to be together, but yeah. So do, do you just kind of get like a temporary ordination license or something, or they just- there's, there's, there's something temporary that's happening, yeah. I don't actually know quite how it's going to work. They're not going to do ordination uh, over Zoom. <laughs> we put our four heads against the camera. <laughs> <and the baby. laughs> 
that would be there's all those uh those facebook things of people getting baptized with super soakers and things like oh yeah that. i saw some of those <laughs> yeah surely that will work um mate uh, so when you're starting so you got a month off and then you're starting yeah. uh work for the church that you're you've been a part of which is an immense blessing yes huge blessing yeah um do you just want to let us know what church uh you're a part of at the moment yeah so i i'm part of a church called Patton church in swindon which is a town in the south of england um we started in december 2018 so we're about a year and a half old um we're yeah city center church plant i love it it's brilliant yeah I, I before this I'd lived in a village in England for years and years, so um, yeah, it's, it's just a whole nice life change for me. Fantastic! Look, it's it's great uh, just to catch up with you briefly, um, and to also the opportunity to hear you share from Daniel Eight uh, very shortly. Um, before I let you go, uh, what's um, what's something that as a church we could uh, be praying for for you? Um, I just guess pray that the kingdom of God grows in Britain. Um, I know that's a massive prayer, (laughs) but um, I I was just explaining to you earlier, I'm absolutely convinced that the church of Jesus Christ in Britain is going to come out of this um, epidemic stronger than it went in, um, in the way that the Lord measures strength. Um, um, Of course, I'd never ever have wished this on us, but I see the Lord working all over the place. Um, we have so many people across all kinds of churches in this country that are trying church for the first time online. Um, I find that wildly exciting. Yeah, so just <laughs> pray that massive prayer that the Church of Jesus Christ grows grow in Britain. <laughs> I should have said, is there something small that we can pray for? But no, that's, that's good. <laughs> uh, Lou, we love to pray for that. Um, and uh, look, we look forward to hearing you preach in just a moment. Uh, so thank you so much. And, oh, thank um, you so much for having me with you, mate. I, honestly, uh, I'm, just, I'm just so pleased. Oh, it's, a, it's a real joy for us. So thank you. Um, so yeah, so we'll listen. We're going to have a Bible reading and then, uh, then we'll, we'll hear from you in a moment. So Daniel 8, 1 to 14. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa, in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns, standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power his large horn was broken off, and in its place four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. 
Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary, and of the host that will be trampled underfoot? He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Hey Soul Revival, welcome to my kitchen in Swindon, England. So great to be with you today. I got to hang out at Soul Revival for a month, um, almost exactly a year ago in 2019. It was honestly the highlight of my 2019. I had such a good time and so many great dinners and so many great breakfasts um, and met some fantastic people and I, yeah, I just, I love what you guys are about. I had a whale of a time. And so to think that I get to be with you a year later in this sort of weird 2020 way of being with people on the other side of the world. Honestly, it's such an honor and it fills me with so much joy, the thought that in this sort of half connected way we're together today. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me with you. Um, Shall we pray together as we read Daniel chapter eight and ask the Lord what he's saying to us through his words today. Yeah, Father, we thank you that your word speaks across ages, across centuries down the years, and we pray that as we look at Daniel chapter 8 today, that you would speak to us from your word, that you would challenge us, you'd inspire us, you'd fill us with hope, you'd teach us more of what you're like, and we pray these things in the name of our precious Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Life is really weird here at the moment. I don't know what it feels like for you guys, we're still mostly in a state of lockdown. We're allowed out um, as much as we like now, but only to meet one other person at a time. So I've been going on loads of walks um, with loads of friends one-on-one. That's a privilege. And I feel like, in a weird way, if a director was making a film of my life, which would be pretty boring, um, even at the best of times, if they were, I feel like they've taken the closest angled lens at the moment and stuck it on. It feels like horizons have shrunk, whereas I used to think what I might like to do this time next year, or even next month, we plan in this country at the moment, just day to day. What am I gonna do today? What am I gonna do tomorrow? It's like, in a weird way, life has got a whole lot smaller. If there was a director making a film of Daniel 8, it's like they've taken the opposite approach to that. They've stuck the widest possible lens on the front of the camera. And rather than Daniel chapter eight focusing on one part of Daniel's life or even the scope of his whole life, Daniel chapter eight speaks about what is to come, not over 100 years, but over the hundreds of years to come. It talks about the rise and the fall of empires. Some of you will be deeply familiar with Daniel, both the book and the man. Some of you, he'll be fairly new to you. You will have been reading along over the last couple of weeks. For some of us, we may never have encountered Daniel 
before. If Daniel is brand new to you, Daniel the man was around about 600 years before Jesus. The book of Daniel is in the Old Testament of the Bible. Daniel was born with a whole lot of opportunity and privilege in his life. We know that he was from noble background, we know that he was good looking, that he was successful, that life was working out well for him. And then everything changed. The Babylonians swept down through Judea where he lived and he was captured and with many other Israelite young men, the same class and background, he was carried off into exile. And he was given a new name, he was given a new identity. And he was marked out as being somebody with a lot of potential and he was trained for elite royal service in this empire that had invaded his country and carried him off. Daniel was brought up with stories of God's goodness and God's kindness and God's provision and God's sovereignty to his ancestors, the God who was. As we've read through the book of Daniel thus far, we see that Daniel experiences the God who is, the God who is his saviour, the God who is his help, the God who is his shield. And as we move into looking at dreams and visions that Daniel received last week and this week, we see that God is showing Daniel that he's not just the God who was and the God who is, but he's also the God of that that is yet to come. And as we read Daniel 8 a few minutes ago, you'll see that there's all kinds of weird, strange, like feels like um, farmyard animals on drugs imagery that goes on in this. Yeah, animals going crazy. But as we read those things carefully, we'll see that it's the God not only who was and is, but the God who is to come foretelling what will happen in the future because the same God that made Daniel and that made the heavens and the earth is also the God of the future. So the first of those animals that we encounter in Daniel chapter 8 we see in verse 3. So verse 3 tells us Daniel says I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal and the horns were long one of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased and became great. And when we skip forward to verse 20, we don't have to ponder for too long on who this ram represents, because Gabriel tells Daniel, the two-horned ram you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. Daniel is living in the Babylonian Empire, but he li lives long enough to see that transition from living under the Babylonian Empire to its fall and its replacement by the empire of the Medes and the Persians. Daniel goes on to serve the king of Persia. Daniel sees this transition in history. But he receives this dream before that happens. And as we read on through Daniel chapter 8 and time moves on and it becomes further and further and further in the future, sceptics have read Daniel and thought this can't possibly be have written by Daniel during his lifetime 
because no man could know with such accuracy how these empires rose and fell. But of course, this is not a man. This is God revealing these things to Daniel. And this first replacement empire that replaced the empire that Daniel was living under when he wrote these words, this new empire of the Medes and the Persians, this new kingdom, it looked like it was invincible for many years. As it said to us at the end of verse 4, it did as it pleased and it became great. It had an air of permanency about it, or at least that's how it felt. And yet, as we read on through the vision, we see that that empire, that that kingdom, the Medes and the Persians, just like every empire, it rises and then it falls. And that ram, which did as it pleased and became great, found itself suddenly overthrown by the rise of a new empire, represented in verse 5 by a goat. Suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground, moving so fast it's like its feet don't touch the earth. And this goat overthrows, it tramples on the ram. One empire is overthrown by the next. And although it doesn't tell us who the king is that is represented by that prominent horn, all scholars agree that that king is obviously Alexander the Great, we know that the goat represents Greece, and Alexander's invasion moved so quickly across the known world, the Eastern known world. The degree of accuracy in the foretelling of Daniel, of Alexander the Great's great sweep across huge chunks of land, is incredible. And yet, despite looking so powerful, despite looking like it was unoverthrowable. I don't even know if that's a word, unoverthrowable. Alexander the Great's empire, in the format that he formed it, lasted only as long as his own life. We can see in verse 8, it tells us, the goat, Greece, became very great, but at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. The Greeks divided into four separate kingdoms with the death of Alexander the Great. We see that represented by these horns, horns being a symbol in Bible times of kingship, of authority. And then the third part of this vision that Daniel sees, he's seen the ram, he's seen the goat, but then there's something really quite alarming that happens with one of these four smaller horns. I don't know if you've ever like said to the Lord, oh Lord, I'd love it if you spoke to me in dreams. I'd love it if you just spoke to me that clearly that I had a dream or had a vision and knew exactly what you were saying. Well, chapter eight just makes me think, I don't know if I actually really want that. Right at the end of chapter eight, Daniel says, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. This vision, this dream was so intense that it put Daniel in bed. He couldn't get up out of exhaustion for, for days afterwards. It makes me revisit that thought that I have sometimes of, 
God, wouldn't it be epic if you spoke to me in some kind of incredible dream that showed me exactly what to do next? And out of those four horns, which replaced that one large horn of the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, we read in verse 9 something which becomes more and more disturbing the more we read into it. Out of one of them, out of one of those four horns, came another horn which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and towards the beautiful land, towards Jerusalem. It grew until it reached the host of heavens and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. This small horn grows with startling intensity and sets itself up not only as a king, but also as a rival to God. And we see that explained further later on as Gabriel is explaining to Daniel what these dreams and visions mean. And the explanation is equally horrifying. Gabriel says, a fierce looking king, a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. He will stand in opposition to God. And history bears out that hundreds of years after Daniel, after the Medes and the Persians had risen and then fallen, destroyed by Alexander the Great, after Alexander the Great had risen and then on his death, his empire splintered in four different directions, that out of one of those splinter kingdoms, a ruler would emerge who would compete, at least in their own eyes, with God himself. That ruler in the year 167 BC invaded Jerusalem. And when they invaded Jerusalem, they took over the temple of God and rededicated it to Zeus. They got rid of the daily sacrifices. They set themselves and their own religious system up in place of the living God. Histories tell us that when Antiochus took over Jerusalem, people's houses were searched once a month. And if the book of the law of the Lord was found in their homes, they were put to death. No wonder Daniel was horrified at these dreams. So what was the point of this? What was God trying to communicate to Daniel and to us through this both incredible dream and then the incredible circumstances of Gabriel interpreting to Daniel what these dreams mean. As I read and thought and meditated on this chapter, I kept coming back in my mind to Isaiah 40. Those beautiful words in Isaiah 40, the grass withers, 
and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Empires rise and empires fall, and God remains constant. Even in the face of the most determined opposition to his kingdom, even in the face of what looks like the complete destruction of the system that God set up for worship and for living right and for living well before him, even in the face of the most determined opposition, empires rise and fall, but God never does. He remains consistent. So interesting that just after we read that Antiochus would take his stand against the Prince of Princes, verse 25, we read, yet he will be destroyed, not by human power. Even the most determined opponents of God eventually fall. Daniel knew from his past that God was. He discovered during his lifetime through living out his faith that God is. And in chapter eight, he reads also of the God who is to come, who whatever happens, nothing surprises the living God. He knows the complete picture from beginning to end. He knows how empires will rise, empires fall. He knows how life can change in an instant, in the blinking of an eye. And yet through it all, the Lord Almighty remains sovereign. He knows not only the past and the present, but he knows the future to come. And he knows that all of it, every part of it, will eventually fade, except him and his word which stand forever. If we skip right to the end of the Bible, there's another series of, um, of equally puzzling visions and pictures and dreams that John has in the book of Revelation. Right at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, Revelation 1.8, the Lord says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Empires rise and empires fall. Difficult situations come and difficult situations go, but the Lord Almighty remains consistent. Nothing surprises him. Nothing throws him off guard. Nothing catches him out. And this same God who was and who is and who is to come He's not distant from us. He's not far from us. He doesn't just abandon us to the stream of history as it comes at us. We read in Galatians and in Romans as well, actually, how for those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. Not of a distant God who occasionally speaks and then leaves us to fumble our way through the rise and fall of one power, of one influence, of one authority, of one trend after another, but a God who is consistent and a God who is faithful and a God who walks closely by us. There is so much that we can dig into further in Daniel chapter 8. The history and the way that Daniel accurately presents through the vision given to him from the Lord, what will happen in world history, I find absolutely fascinating.
But what strikes me from this chapter is that the God who was and the God who now is, is also the God of that yet to come. And that removes fear, fear from us, that removes anxiety from us, because we know that the one who loves us enough to send his son to die for us, to take our sins upon himself, who loves us enough through his son to adopt us, not as servants, but as sons and daughters of the living God, that he's got the whole of history in his hands, that nothing happens outside of his sovereignty, that nothing happens that surprises him, that catches him off guard. These are words of hope in a time when the world feels very uncertain, that the God who was, the God who is, is also the God of everything yet to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you know the rise and the fall of empires in the same way that you know the ebb and the flow of our lives. You know when difficult times are coming and you know when they will go. You know when trials arrive and you know when trials will end. And we thank you, Father, that we can trust you, our Heavenly Father, through every circumstance that we face. You are the God who was and who is and who is to come, the beginning and the end, the author of our salvation. And we love you. And we pray all these things in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you guys. Such a pleasure to be with you. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is OK by Ixit.